You are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, November 17th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Failure is not an option. Governor Newsom said that about his aggressive roadmap for zeroing out greenhouse gas emissions in just two decades. The California Report asks, is this plan realistic? Meanwhile, a tourist guide tells travelers to give Tahoe a rest. After regional news and weather, voters talk about why they did or didn't support Measure V. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Workers at over 100 Starbucks stores throughout the country, including 10 in California, are striking today. They plan their coordinated demonstration to fall on Red Cup Day, an annual promotional event when Starbucks gives out collectible and reusable cups. Strikers are calling it the Red Cup Rebellion. In a statement, a member of Starbucks Workers United said workers face understaffed stores, inconsistent schedules, and a company that disregards its employees. California cities where Starbucks workers are striking include San Francisco, Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, and Long Beach. Starbucks did not immediately respond to our request for comment. In other labor-related news, bargaining continues as the strike by postdocs and researchers at the University of California enters its fourth day. While the regions met at UC San Francisco Mission Bay yesterday, students on the picket line outside say they hoped they were being taken seriously. Our material conditions here really are very dire. Uh, For example, it's more than $3,000 a month to have an infant in the childcare here. And that's, that's more than what I take home every month. We're responsible for bringing the vast majority of all the funding that comes into the university by our research. We make this thing run here. The demonstrations are showing that there are consequences to very irresponsible decision making that has been happening for a very long time. So in a way, this is a reckoning as well. We heard from striking students Jen DeSanto, Tom Faust, and Gabriela Canales. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health dash equity. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash ca. Guideline. The California Way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. California released its latest ambitious climate change plan yesterday that would reduce the state's dependence on fossil fuels. KQED's Kevin Stark reports. You can think of this plan as a roadmap for how California could essentially zero out greenhouse gas emissions in a little more than two decades. The plan calls for slashing emissions by 48 percent by 2030, based on 1990 levels. Energy analysts say that's a more aggressive target than what President Biden's proposed for the country. Lauren Sanchez is climate advisor to Governor Gavin Newsom. This plan will indeed be very difficult to achieve because of the scale of the task and the speed with which it needs to be delivered. 
but the governor will not take failure as an option, and neither should any of us. Newsom pushed the state's Air Resources Board to move faster after it released a draft plan earlier this year. Included in the latest version is the state's mandate to phase out the sale of new gasoline-powered cars. If realized, California's climate plan could transform daily life in the nation's most populous state. Seven million existing homes and commercial buildings that use fuel for heating and cooking would have to switch to electric in a little more than a decade. The backbone of the plan is a cleaner, more robust power grid. It includes a commitment to stop building gas power plants, quadruple wind and solar generation, all while doubling the state's capacity to produce electricity. That won't be easy. The state narrowly avoided rolling blackouts this year after demand nearly surpassed supply during a heat wave that baked the state for 10 days. Leanne Randolph is the state's top air regulator. We need to take action to reduce the worst impacts of a changing climate. And there is only one way to do that. Break forever our dependence on fossil fuels. The harsh grip of petroleum and move as fast as we can to a clean energy economy. Randolph says this plan could drive the state's economy forward, creating an estimated 4 million jobs and address one of the state's persistent environmental problems, punishing smog. And by rapidly shifting away from fossil fuels, the plan delivers public health benefits to everyone in California and most importantly, to those communities suffering from persistent air pollution. The state estimates it would cut air pollution by 71 percent and save Californians $200 billion in health care costs due to pollution. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. Lake Tahoe says tourists are welcome despite finding itself on voters' no list for 2023. The travel guide company describes the list as the top 10 regions to reconsider when you're planning a vacation. It's not that voters dislike skiing in the Sierra or tubing on the lake. It's actually the opposite. Too many people love it there, and pollution is literally muddying the water and dirtying the air. But Heidi Hildrum, CEO of Tahoe Prosperity, a regional economic development agency, says tourism and the environment can coexist. If you think of Tahoe as a place that you love to visit and want to come back, then, you know, when you are here, be mindful. Take transit. Walk to the restaurant nearby. You know, do what you can to, you know, leave no trace. She says it's all about balance. Tourism will always be an important part of our economy, but it doesn't have to be 62% of our economy, which is currently what it represents. It used to be 42% of our economy, which is, I think, more reasonable and in line with a good, diverse, and healthy local economy. Lake Tahoe is in good company. Also on the no list, Antarctica, Italy's Amalfi Coast, Amsterdam, and Mendocino, which was included because of the drought. But in a statement to KQED, Mendocino's tourism agency says the drought issue has, quote, long been rectified and visitors are welcome. If you haven't heard yet, that was the 2022 FIFA World Cup song, Haya Haya. The highly anticipated tournament is set to begin this Sunday in Qatar. And while millions of people will inevitably tune in, the organization is facing a lot of backlash from politicians, celebrities, and fans around the world for its decision to host it in Qatar. And there are a few reasons why. The country bans and punishes LGBTQ relationships and severely restricts employee and women's rights. The organization responded in a letter to soccer players urging them not to get, quote, dragged into politics and argued hosting the tournament in Qatar might help change the country's culture. 
Let us know if you're tuning in and why or why not. Tweet me at ByMaribolaños. And that's the California Report for Thursday, November 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening. In regional news, the biggest dam removal project in history moved one step closer to reality today after the federal government cleared a key hurdle that would allow demolition to begin on four hydroelectric dams along California's border with Oregon. This story comes from reporting by the Sacramento Bee. A decision today by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission allows the utility company Pacificor to surrender the dam's license to a nonprofit organization backed by California and Oregon. Pacificor is controlled by financier Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway firm. Demolition on the Klamath River dams, three in California and one in Oregon, could begin as quickly as a few months from now. The B story goes on to say that the commission's decision represents a major victory for some of California's largest Native American tribes, including the Karuk, Hoopa Valley, and Yurok. The tribes have been fighting for years to have the dams removed to open up more than 100 miles of river. The Wall Street Journal reports today that one of the slowest wildfire seasons in years has come to an end in the West, thanks to well-timed rain and cooler temperatures. The break is giving firefighters an opportunity to focus on prevention efforts such as thinning forests that could reduce damage from wildfires in the future, according to officials. November rains doused fire season in California, where more than 362,000 acres have burned this year through Monday. That's compared with 2.6 million over the same period in 2021 and a five-year annual average of 2.2 million, according to CAL FIRE. The mosquito fire that ignited on September 6th was the largest fire in California in 2022. Eight of the ten biggest wildfires on record in California have taken place over the past decade, according to CAL FIRE. Coronavirus infections and hospitalizations have climbed quickly in California in recent weeks, likely fueled in part by new COVID-19 subvariants overtaking older strains, as well as the arrival of colder weather. The statewide daily case rate jumped to 8.8 per 100,000 residents, the California Department of Public Health said in a weekly update reported today in the Sacramento Bee. That's an 18% increase from the previous week's 7.5 per 100,000 and up 36% compared to 6.5 per 100,000 two weeks earlier. California's test positivity rate grew to 6.3%, up from 5.4% last week and 4.4% two weeks ago. It has now reached its highest point since September 9th. What is it like to be a student in the 2020s? That'll be the topic of a roundtable at the Saturday meeting of the Nevada County Branch of the American Association of University Women. Local high school and college students will share their experiences on several topics, including the effect of the pandemic shutdown on them and their families. The meeting will take place at Peace Lutheran Church in Grass Valley from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Saturday.
Turning to the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality readings from purplerain.com, dry weather continues with breezy north to east winds, near average daytime temperatures, and cold nights. Gusty north to east winds are expected Friday and Saturday, with the strongest winds in the foothills and mountains, where downed tree limbs and local power outages are possible. In Nevada City and Grass Valley this evening, mostly clear, with a low around 36 and calm wind. Air quality was measuring in the 30s today, which is considered acceptable. Friday will be sunny, with a high near 57, and east-northeast wind 9 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 21 miles per hour. Friday night will be clear, with a low around 31, and east-northeast wind 16 to 21 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 29 miles per hour. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, partly cloudy, with a low around 15. Today in Truckee, the air quality index was averaging around 60, which is considered acceptable, although exposure can be risky for unusually sensitive people. Friday will be sunny, with a high near 34. Friday night will be mostly clear, with a low around 7, and east wind of 5 to 10 miles per hour. In Sacramento and Woodland tonight, mostly clear, with a low around 39. Air quality was measuring from the 60s into the 80s today, which is considered acceptable. Friday will be sunny, with a high near 66, and north-northwest wind 7 to 16 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 23 miles per hour. Friday night will be clear, with a low in the mid-30s, and north wind of 9 to 13 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 18 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Next, KVMR's Julia Jem took to the streets of western Nevada County to record the thoughts of residents on a hotly contested measure on last week's ballot. She found that, just like the voting, opinions were split, and in one case, they struck a little close to home. Measure V, a measure proposing the establishment of a half-cent sales tax claiming to provide funding for wildfire prevention and safety, sparked rampant debates leading up to Election Day, whether online or out and about. Just a few weeks ago, I witnessed small groups of citizens in Grass Valley standing streetside, equipped with signs on full display to declare their stances. Well, now that the election results are closing in, and we've learned that the measure appears to be failing, I thought it would be interesting to embark to the streets once again and gather the opinions and afterthoughts of Nevada County voters in regard to their choices on Measure V. I asked each person the same question, did you vote for or against Measure V, and why? Our first response was recorded at Briarpatch Co-op in Grass Valley. I mainly voted for Measure V because I knew a lot of the people that were involved in putting it together, and I respect them wholeheartedly. The next two responses were from Gateway Park in Penn Valley near the bocce ball court. Um, I honestly don't remember. I know my partner voted for it because we want to kind of conserve our wilderness and conserve the wildlife. However, um, when it comes to inflating taxes, it's already the inflation rate is crazy right now, so that puts us in a deficit. I believe that we voted for, um, but there's pros and cons to everything. We're just hoping that this, in the beginning, um, going towards a good cause is going to actually go towards it, rather than, you know, us just get in the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? I actually voted against it, and the only reason why I did 
is because of the sales tax. But I think I live up on Banner Mountain, and I'm very conscious of the issue about trying to clear land and, and maintain it for fire hazards and so forth. But I think when I look at the budget, the general budget for our county and, and Nevada City and so forth, there's so much money there, I think it's being misspent. And I think they need to put more money into the actual issue about reforestation and clearing forests. So, it, as I say, this, this, this one actually tore our family up because my wife voted for it, I voted against it, mainly just because of the half, half cent tax. Because we are, if we went to 9%, we're actually the highest tax in I think probably the whole state of California. And I don't think we as that are on fixed incomes really should have to take that burden on. Next, we have these two opinions from the post office in Nevada City. What did you vote and why? No. And why is that? Because we've got enough taxes. Oh, I voted yes. You did? Yes. Why is that? Um, I just think that it's important to keep that kind of stuff in our community or you know like i think it's important to support our community in that way especially when it's keeping people safe and houses safe and like history safe and stuff like that and lastly while trying to interview in downtown grass valley i happened to run into my dad he self-identifies as a non-voter but he wanted to participate anyways so this next response the final response is his take i did not i did not and i wouldn't because I don't want to have our taxes raised. That's just about as simple as that. Yep. Especially if it's not actually going to help us, then it's double pointless. So yes, I would be against it. The opinions you've heard in this segment are those of the speakers only and are not those of KVMR, its board, staff, volunteers, or underwriters. For KVMR News, I'm Julia Jem. As of Wednesday afternoon, with about two-thirds of the ballots counted, Measure V was trailing by 712 votes, with nearly 51% voting no and a tad over 49% voting in favor. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. A week from today turns out to be Thanksgiving, in case you haven't been keeping up. A day that used to be more festive than it is now, because so many of us were ignorant, being children or non-Indigenous colonizers who didn't want to think about our history. The history, that is, of our misdeeds and damage, rather than the history we like, which casts us as oppressed and heroic, benign, well-meaning, useful sorts of people who forge new lives out of empty land, having escaped a tyrannical king. This is a human trait, wanting to believe in our own goodness, generally, and not get yelled at. No one watches Star Wars and yearns for a job on the Death Star. Most of us do not read Tolkien and identify with the orcs. There's an additional twist on the subject, which is that when people have been harmed themselves, they can feel a little more justified in doing whatever they want, because somehow they are owed. 
I come across this a lot in the coaching and poetry teaching I've done with survivors of child abuse. It's a stage of the recovery process to understand that no matter what has happened to them, bad or good, they still have to be responsible humans. I remember facing this in myself, standing in my one-room rental in Stinson Beach with my back to the ocean view, arguing with my therapist on the phone. I'd run out of savings and had to find a job, and I didn't want to. I shouldn't have to. I hadn't caused the abuse I was working hard to recover from, and I was furious that there was no recourse for people like me, no grants for rape victims, no one in my family coming forward with help or even understanding. I shook with rage and almost dropped the phone just talking about it. I was a victim. It wasn't fair. But guess what? That's how it goes. Whoever you are, you have to pay your rent. Nobody gets a pass because they were hurt. They might collapse and become homeless because they can't stand this idea or turn to substances to avoid the pain of it. But that's a different story. I eventually went out and found a job, and it wasn't really that bad. It taught me a ton about resilience and how to help other people facing the same thing. My Native American friends, in general, do not look forward to Thanksgiving as any kind of celebration. Would you? Oh, joy, here's the symbol of our annihilation. We are the Death Star. They are the rebellion. I avoid my family on holidays. It's just too painful. This Thanksgiving, I'm going to eat with friends, and I heard there will also be visitors from Norway. I'm excited to pull out my third grade level Norwegian, which I haven't spoken in 44 years. I wonder how I'll explain to them that as well as the good food and gratitude, there are lessons here in accepting your own transgressions, learning to apologize, and opening a beloved story to include the truth. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for Thursday, November 17th. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weeknight at 6. If you missed any of our newscasts or interviews, you can always listen at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Please join us Friday evening for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.